millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. On Wednesday, February 8th, 2023, riots broke out at Smith State Prison in Glenville, Georgia, this sleepy rural town in southeast Georgia that's mostly known for its Vidalia onions. The riots were so bad that at least eight people were severely injured. Three were flown out of the prison by a life flight helicopter, and others were taken by ground transport to local hospitals. A video was leaked on Facebook that's terrifying. In the beginning, you see the camera tilt up from behind a door, almost like the person recording it didn't want to get noticed. They're recording on the other side of a door with a glass window. It feels like the person recording it is safe, but they're looking into a big, circular, two-story room. It's maybe a common area. There are a few benches and tables. It's pretty monochromatic. White walls, gray metal. The inmates also wear white and gray. I think the doors to the cells surround this room. There's a staircase in the foreground of the video, and you see a few people run up it to get away. It's almost like a wave that starts in the left and follows the room around to the right. People are watching and getting out of the way. Everybody's moving quickly. A man falls towards the camera. It looks like he was pushed. He catches himself on the staircase and pulls himself back up. Just then, you see two men pull their arms way back and then stab him in the back. There's about 10 inmates in the group that are chasing him. They follow him almost off camera, and then you see someone use their whole body weight to lift what looks like a baseball bat and hit somebody. In the background of that footage, you see the person, who I think is the person that got stabbed twice in the back. He's running away, and the crowd is following him. The man falls on the ground, and I count four men, maybe five, kick him repeatedly, while other inmates watch from the second story. When he eventually gets up off the ground you can see that he's having trouble standing, bracing himself against the wall. But the main aggressor is onto someone else, who almost looks like he was thrown into the scene from the left. This video is from a segregated housing unit called Tier at Smith State Prison. There's supposed to be maximum security and close management. These inmates are supposed to be separate from the general prison population. On a normal day, you'd have maybe one or two orderlies in the center of the room cleaning, but everyone else assigned to that unit should be in their cells. 
Violence in Georgia's prisons is not unique, but this night, it was. A local news station reported that it took corrections officers an hour and a half to regain control of the Level 5 prison. Smith State houses more than 1,300 inmates, and this night, they only had four officers on duty. The riots started around 8 p.m. that night, when the Georgia Bureau of Investigations published a press release announcing that the warden of Smith State Prison had just been arrested and charged with corruption. GBI agents discovered much more involving the prison, including two more allegedly related murders. Crime and contraband in a local prison. It was a true whodunit at the time. I can't believe I'm saying this. Sent the hitman to the wrong address. All the options are on the table. We don't know. Things like this don't happen in Glenville, Georgia. I'm Evie Wilson-Weatherby, and this is Prison Town, a podcast that's digging deep into one prison in South Georgia. After months of investigating Smith State Prison, we're going to put out one new episode each week. I'm reporting this with Jessica Salaji, who you will meet later on in this episode. You're going to hear about murders, organized crime, contraband rings, and a hitman for hire. But you're also going to learn about policy and how we got here, to this moment in time when the Federal Department of Justice is investigating Georgia's prisons for civil rights violations. This podcast is using Smith State Prison as a case study. It might feel like a true crime podcast in the beginning, but I promise you, it's more than that. For me, this story started nine months ago. I was working on a project about inmates that died from violence in Georgia's prisons. I kept coming back to Tattnall County in southeast Georgia, about an hour from Savannah. The state of Georgia has 159 counties and 34 state prisons, so it was really strange that Tattnall County hit three. I already had Smith State Prison in Glenville on my radar because of its high death toll when I came across an article in an online outlet called the Georgia Virtue. A beloved 88-year-old man in Glenville, the same town as the prison, had been shot in his bed. Nothing was taken, and the whole town was left wondering who would target the town historian. Just after midnight today, a family member found Glenville man Bobby Kicklighter dead in his home. It looks like a genuine home invasion where somebody entered somebody's house, an elderly person at that, and just uh, killed him. The GBI continues to investigate the death of 88-year-old Bobby Kicklighter. Before I can explain why there were riots at Smith State Prison, or why Jessica and I had been expecting the warden to get arrested, and how all of this is connected, I need to take you to Glenville, Georgia, so that you can really understand where the story takes place. On my first visit to Glenville in Tattnall County, I pulled over on the side of a quiet road to take my camera out to film some footage of a big tree in a beautiful field. And within minutes, a truck pulled over, and the driver yelled out the window to make sure that I was okay, to see if I needed anything. Glenville is a small two-red-light town. Uh, I compare it to Mayberry a lot of times. Folks are familiar with Andy Griffith. That's Glenville. This is Dylan Mulligan, an attorney from Glenville. Not a whole lot happens here. We're kind of off the beaten path, and uh, everybody knows everybody. Uh, Everybody knows everybody's business, you know, when somebody's coming and going. And uh, just a small, real closely knit, tightly knit community. You know, the speed limit's 35 through town, so it's it's a small, quaint feeling when you go through. That's Jessica Salaji, my co-producer, journalist and publisher of The Georgia Virtue. The sheriff of Tattnall County was a little bit tougher to get into contact with. I sent emails and I called once a week for a few weeks, 
but I'm pretty sure he was dodging my phone calls. Sheriff's office. Hi, I was wondering if it's possible to talk to Sheriff Kyle Sapp. Hang on. Sheriff's office, Charlotte. Hi, um, I was calling to see if I could get in contact with Sheriff Kyle Sapp. Um, he's not in. He won't be in today. Um, okay, do you know when he's going to be back? Monday. Okay, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. It wasn't until I drove down and waited in his reception area, hilariously next to a box of Vidalia onions, that he agreed to give me an interview and walk me through the night of Bobby Kicklider's murder, what seemed like the first murder in this long, winding sequence of events. I really do appreciate your time. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I can't believe I'm letting you talk me into this, but go ahead. I should tell you that he warmed up to me. He's actually really kind. I think he was just suspicious of me early on because I was an out-of-town reporter. All right, so I am interested in everything around the Bobby Kicklider case. And maybe we can just start at the beginning because you were there that night. Just after midnight today, a family member found Glenville man, Bobby Kicklider, dead in his home. The night that we got the phone call that um, Mr. Bobby Kicklider had been murdered, I was very surprised to start with because I've known Mr. Bobby Kicklider for many, many years and his family. Just a great family in the community, a great man, historian, um, has uh, served our military, was just an elderly gentleman that was well-known in his church and the community, and everybody thought the world of him. You think of the stereotypical small-town Southern man. Uh, I think about that song by Alan Jackson of that same title, and the lyrics could have described Mr. Bobby. He bowed his head to Jesus. He stood for Uncle Sam. He only loved one woman. He was proud of what he had. He served in the United States Air Force, volunteered with the Boy Scouts. He was married to his wife, Betty, for 65 years before she passed away. His funeral was held in the same church that he went to as a kid, and he attended it his whole life. His obituary opens with this, quote, Bobby Carlton Kicklider, beloved father, grandfather, and friend to all who knew him, passed away on January 30th, 2021, at his home in Glenville, Georgia, at the age of 88. That's not wrong. He did pass away in his home. But it doesn't mention anything about how horrific it was. The fact that he was murdered. Police say Kicklider was shot and killed in his own home. His family devastated. So back to that night with Sheriff Sapp. When we have something in a rural community like this, um, the, the sheriff goes. You, you're there to... Uh, to be there to represent and to um, be there for the family, too. The GBI and Sheriff Sapp were all there right after midnight, right after it happened. It was on a uh, street on the outskirts of Glenville. Um, it's, it's a rural part of town. You had houses sparsely populated on that street. You had some fields across the road. Uh, it was dark. Um, it was cold because it was in January. And, you know, family was there. Uh, investigators were there. And it was just a, a quiet feeling. It, there just was not a lot of noise. It was just very quiet. And uh, it was just very strange. It was strange because there were just a lot of questions. It was, it was a sure enough whodunit mystery from the very beginning. Someone broke into this elderly man's house and shot him while he was sleeping. 
It wasn't a burglary. It was an assassination. And it's such a bizarre story because anyone that had anything to say could only talk about how wonderful Bobby Kicklider was. So what in the world was going on? What was he involved in? Well, just started looking and thinking about, okay, who who would have done this? You know, it was obviously somebody went into his home, but, you know, why? There was no indications of anything that was stolen or anything like that. So it was just, it was very, it was very odd and concerning, even to the agents and the um, investigators from our agency. It was just very odd. You know, usually there's some information that helps to begin a trail and you start following the trails. And in this case, um, there just wasn't anything that night. Dylan Mulligan, a lifelong friend of Bobby Kicklider, got the news the morning after the murder. It was a Saturday morning early. Um, I'd actually had had a missed call from uh, the lady that called me. And uh, then she turned around and called me again. And I said, Man, that's, something can't be right. Because like I said, it was very early in the morning. And uh, anyway, I answered. And first word she said, she said, well, have you heard about Mr. Bobby? And, you know, I thought she was fixing to tell me he had had a heart attack in his sleep and passed during the night, you know, because he, he was getting feeble. And... Uh, Anyway, the lady that called was actually our mayor's wife. She's She and Mr. Bobby and I were all on the museum board together. And so, you know, it wasn't uncommon for her to call to tell me some news when somebody had passed. So, I mean, I knew from the tone of her voice that he had passed. Um, but, you know, it's a natural part of life, and he, Mr. Bobby had lived a good long life. So, of course, you know, we all knew it was coming. Um, just, you know, had no idea what I was fixing to hear next. And I said, no, you know, what, what what's happened? And then she proceeded to break down what we knew at that point, which was that someone had come into his house in the middle of the night and murdered him in his bed. And I felt my heart almost come to a stop. You know, I mean, that, that nothing like this had ever happened in Glenville. I mean, we had had a murder or two here and there, but the few murders that we had had through the years, it was usually either some family violence situation or some private dispute between somebody, you know, that usually you could explain it. It wasn't either a home invasion going wrong or, you know, a robbery or the other murders that we've had had always been shocking and, you know, affected people. People weren't scared the way they were in this instance. You know, here, there was no explanation. We had no idea what had happened. So people were just terrified, uh, and justifiably so. You know, we're all just stunned. How could something like this happen? How can we explain an event like this? I mean, this does not happen in Glenville. What was the community like in those weeks after the murder? I've never seen Glenville anything like during that time period. I mean, it's just like a shadow fell over the entire town. People were crying. People were scared, upset. Uh, But the community also came together. You know, times like that are what bring a community together. Of course, people wanted answers. Uh, They wanted closure, but they needed peace as well. Months passed with no new developments. You know, nobody forgot about it or or let it rest, obviously, but, you know, a lot of people were concerned that the case had gone cold, and and essentially it had. Uh, You know, for the first little while there, of course, we didn't know as a community, we didn't know exactly what was going on. We just assumed that the wheels were turning and that it was proceeding, but... Uh, little did we know, it had kind of hit a dead end. There were, from my understanding, there were no leads whatsoever. It was just like 
the people had vanished into the dark with no explanation, no evidence. This could be a random act. This could be a targeted act. Uh, all the options are on the table. If you have any information about this shooting, you're asked to call GBI. A GBI agent tells us it looks like it could be a random crime, but it's too early to tell. A lot of the evidence that kind of started coming together was just by sheer chance, just coincidence. Some of the things that started falling into the GBI's lap, and the GBI has been outstanding in this. Christian Johnson particularly, uh, he is incredible. And uh, it was just through their diligence and then the hand of the good Lord intervening in this that the evidence presented itself. Um, and then, you know, lo and behold, we find out what actually happened. We'll be right back after this. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. TheGeorgiaVirtue.com is an online news publication based in Southeast Georgia. Our daily content focuses on local government, the justice system, and public corruption. Visit TheGeorgiaVirtue.com to subscribe to our newsletter for the latest headlines and updates. Welcome back to Prison Town. I'm Evie Wilson-Weatherby. So about nine months ago, I'd become fascinated with everything that I could find out about the Bobby Kicklider case. And in all of that reading, I kept coming across the same byline, Jessica Salaji of the Georgia Virtue. She actually wrote that first article that I read about Bobby Kicklider, the one that initially piqued my interest. The first time we talked on the phone, we talked for longer than an hour. We talked a lot about why we report on the prison system and how complicated and complex these stories are and how fascinated we were with this particular story. We compared notes, and I decided that I was going to drive down to Tattnall County to meet her. Her two dogs bounded towards me as I knocked on the door. And I think it was a little bit funny for both of us, because we almost knew that we were going to become really good friends, but we weren't quite there yet. Okay. What's your name? Is this, like, official, or are no, we just, just, like, testing, testing the volume? volume. I'm testing volume. <laughs> Jessica Salachi. <laughs> So we hopped in her truck and she gave me a tour of Tattnall County. She really wanted me to understand it, to see where the prisons were and what the land was like in between. As I mentioned before, Tattnall County had three state prisons, Georgia State Prison and Rogers State Prison in Reedsville, 
and Smith was about 20 minutes away in Glenville. So we're almost to Reedsville, and then we'll circle back towards yeah, my okay. house. But I want you to see Georgia State Prison Rogers and, like, the massive property. Yeah. And then the graveyard across the street because... It's nuts. It's obvious that she's the kind of journalist that has a never-ending list of questions that she's always adding to. One story spurs another because she's always asking questions. This is the hospital that they bring the inmates to just so that they can life-flight them out. Wow. After the tour, I sat her down for an interview because I wanted her experience reporting this from the very beginning. I'm the publisher of thegeorgiavirtue.com, which is an independent news outlet. Um, it's online based in southeast Georgia here in Bullitt County. She started it two years ago on her own. I basically cover, I think, all the counties with probably a 50-mile radius of here. So So it was right after it happened, in January of 2021, when she first heard about the Bobby Kicklider case. We get all kinds of media alerts, just like most outlets, and particularly from the GBI. And we got a news alert that there was a murder in Tattnall County, specifically Glenville, which is almost unheard of and it was in the heart of Glenville in a community where it's extremely quiet Um, and so it was shocking for that reason and almost immediately they released information that it was 88 year old Bobby Kicklater lifelong resident massive family in Tattnall County and so it was huge news immediately. I think aside from the um, devastation of losing like a pillar of the community, I think that it was just shocking because things like that don't happen there. Small towns where you know everybody, those types of things don't happen there, at least not usually by someone from inside the town. So I think that was the speculation initially was that this just couldn't be anyone from here because everybody knows him and they would never do that to him of all people. Do we need to start locking our doors? I mean, I think that was the reaction was, is our community unsafe? What did you know? We hardly knew anything. Just really the location, the victim, that there was a gunshot wound of some sort or some quantity, and basically that the investigation was open and ongoing, and that's all we're going to tell you. And that's all they did tell anyone for a very long time. Bobby Kickletter was murdered on January 30th, 2021. And it wasn't until July that the GBI announced an update. We were told that there were three arrests that had been made, one person from out of town, which didn't really make sense, and then two females, which also did not make sense at the time. So a total of three individuals. Um, and then not, I think it was the next day or very close to that, um, we heard that Another individual was involved, and that person was currently incarcerated at Smith State Prison in Glenville. So when they first announced all of this, it was unclear if the person had been an inmate at the time of the murder, or if he was just an inmate when they announced that he was connected to the murder. But in August of 2021, the GBI issued a press release that had more details. The GBI charged Nathan Weeks, 25, a current Georgia Department of Corrections inmate, with conspiracy to commit a felony murder and party to a crime in relation to the murder of Bobby Kicklighter. The murder investigation also illuminated how Nathan Weeks was involved in contraband smuggling. And so in the same press release, 
the Georgia Department of Corrections charged him with 19 contraband-related warrants, 16 other contraband counts, and possession with intent to distribute methamphetamines and possession of a weapon by an inmate. So Nathan Weeks was an inmate at Smith State Prison when all of this went down in January of 2021. He was incarcerated when Bobby Kicklider was murdered. And he was somehow linked back to that murder on the outside of the prison, even though he was on the inside. And you know the warden that got arrested by the GBI at the beginning of this episode, two years later in February of 2023? Well, he was also the warden in January of 2021, at the time of the murder. The firing and arrest of the prison's warden is just the latest development in an ongoing investigation that has covered prison contraband, corruption, and even murder. So to make this story even more confusing, Jessica had heard about another murder, one county over. A few weeks before Bobby Kicklider was killed, Jerry Davis had been killed in his home on January 13th, 2021. It was really similar. Someone broke in and shot him while he was sleeping. Nothing was taken. The intent was murder. And there wasn't a lot of evidence. So for a long time, the GBI didn't release anything. And nobody knew what happened. And then on August 31st, 2021, they released a press release announcing that they had arrested Christopher Reginald Sumlin Jr., 31, for the murder of Jerry Lee Davis. And Christopher Sumlin was easy for them to find because he was already in custody in the Tattnall County Sheriff's Office on charges related to the death of Bobby Kicklider in Glenville. To know that the same person was responsible for those acts, like it showed that we're dealing with either something very large or someone who's just an outright monster, right? Like we, that's, those are not things that are easy to digest. Um, So when I started looking into who Jerry Davis was and trying to figure out like how this father of three um, good Christian, hardworking man ends up murdered again for what reason? Um, I found out that he worked for one of the private contractors that services Smith State Prison. He was a delivery truck driver, so he frequented the prison. That was the tie. Of course, you still couldn't figure out how Mr. Kicklider tied into that, but um, Christopher Sumlin, who was the, has been charged with this, he served time at Smith State Prison, and the person who is still behind bars that was charged was an inmate at Smith State Prison before he was transferred to another facility. So all of a sudden, Smith State Prison in Glenville is becoming this fireball and source for everything bad that is happening across the community. For the past few months, we've been looking into Smith State Prison, one of the three prisons in Tattnall County. We were looking for connections between crimes and criminals and trying to figure out what the heck was going on and who was allowing it. Jessica pulled arrest records and court records, and she looked up county budgets. I tried to find individuals that could share their personal experience as well. We've both learned a lot, and we've had many conversations about how this story has made us question our own beliefs. In the course of this reporting, through the murders and contraband seizures and gang activity and other scandals, we started to wonder if the corruption went all the way up to the top the warden. First, it was kind of just this question. If so many terrible things are happening at this prison, it almost seemed impossible for someone at the top not to notice, or at least know about it. And then if so many bad things were happening, and the warden did know about it, well, wouldn't they stop it? 
moments before the GBI arrested Warden Brian Adams of Smith State Prison earlier this month, the Georgia Department of Corrections fired him. They said that he had violated the employee standards of conduct. In the GDC press release that announced his termination, there was this quote from the Department of Corrections Commissioner, Tyrone Oliver. Quote, While we are disheartened to learn of the actions of former Warden Adams, our commitment to maintaining a zero-tolerance policy for individuals who choose to ignore their oath and jeopardize our non-negotiable mission of public safety applies to every level in the GDC. We appreciate the support of our law enforcement partners in our efforts to see that justice is being served. It is extremely important to note, however, that Adams' actions do not reflect the hundreds of officers, wardens, and other staff who are committed each and every day to ensuring the safety of the public and safe operations of our facilities. And I think that gets at exactly what we're trying to look at. Is Smith State Prison really unique? Thank you for listening to episode one, next week on Prison Town. Before they told me anything, they showed me two photos. Your special agent Christian Johnson with George Bureau Investigation, is that correct? That's correct. I heard a loud boom. <laughs> Inside of that mask, a name was written on the tag. It, you know, it, it's, you're not going to believe what you hear. And I was like, I wanted to know then because I'm impatient and, um, I was just told to be there, so of course I was. He just got up and walked out into the side entrance, one by one. Prison Town is produced by Jessica Salagi and me, Evie Wilson-Weatherby, supported by the Center for Collaborative Journalism at Mercer University and the Georgia Virtue. Original theme song composed by Francois Byers. Story consulting by Debbie Blankenship and Tanya Ott. A special thank you to Jonathan Weatherby for the graphics and to Louis Levine. You'll find out why later. In this episode, we heard interviews from Dylan Mulligan, Sheriff Kyle Sapp, and Jessica Salagi. You heard sound bites from breaking newscasts from WTOC and WJCL. Visit prisontownpodcast.com for more information. We will have a timeline of the murders and the developments and we'll update it each week. You can also see the press releases and the leaked riot videos and links to all of the original reporting from Jessica Salagi. That's all at prisontownpodcast.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at prisontownusa. Until next week. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.